Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to the Black Case Diaries. Hey. I love it. <sighs> We're three old cats learning everything we can about <laughs> movies and TV, and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Robin. I'm Marcy. And I'm Adam. Hey. Meow. Guys. Well, it's it's <laughs> yeah. been one week since you've heard from us. One week. Oh, man. Yeah, it's been. <laughs> oh, I want to sing it so bad. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I remember hearing somewhere, it's like, what song has an opening where you can play literally a second of the opening and everyone knows what the song is? Uh, it's that one. That's, that's one, of them. one of Yeah. yeah. Well, Animation April is over. Uh. <gasps> but that doesn't mean that we have to stop talking about animation. <gasps> what? This year, we decided to extend our animation discussion into the next month and celebrate anime. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I know, guys. I yeah, frankly, I'm sick of animation. I'm tired of talking about it. You're off the podcast. <laughs> a couple of years ago, we did an episode about the history of Studio Ghibli, the animation house responsible for some of the most charming animated films ever made. You guys know about oh, Ghibli, yeah. of course. Yeah. Back then, we promised to one day come back to the topic and make a list of our top ten Studio Ghibli movies. It was difficult because these films are absolutely beautiful and it's nearly impossible to decide which ones we like most, but we did it anyway. Yeah, oh we did. Oh my gosh. For you guys. Yep. <sighs> that was ages ago. <laughs> that was before I even started making the art in a square. <laughs> like, <laughs> a lo- like a minute ago. It man. was a long time and ago. And we were like, oh yeah, we should do a top 10. <sighs> well, yes. Yeah. I mean, it took that long for us to decide on the top 10. Yeah, exactly. That's how hard it was. And I'm sure our list still, a lot of people will disagree with it. Yeah. yeah, We we also had to see if he'd crank out one more movie. Yeah, we need to know. I know. Another one's coming. After retirement. Yes, there is another one coming, isn't there? I know. (laughs) And we have to do it all again. Oh, man. So strap in as we break down our favorite Studio Ghibli movies. Because we have so much to say about these movies, this episode is just the first half of our list. So stay tuned for the second half releasing next week. Yeah, Woo! it has yeah. been uh, also a minute since we've done a, a two-parter episode. It has yeah. been a long time. And a list, we don't do list episodes very often. We usually do top fives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we used to do top tens, and they used to all be one episode, and they I- freaking way too Put long. Put the nicks on those. I got <laughs> I got tired of editing yeah. three hour episodes. Down to an hour to an hour yes, and a half. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there have been episodes where I cut more than what I put out. Yeah, yeah. there's <laughs> more on the cutting room floor than, yeah. than the, the released episode. That's actually happened. Which is so. insane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'd like to start our episode with a quote from Hayao Miyazaki, the man synonymous with Studio Ghibli films. Basically, our foremost objective here is making good films. No guarantees of lifetime employment here. But companies are just conduits for money. Its success isn't our priority. What's important is that you're doing what you want and that you're gaining skills. If Ghibli ceases to appeal to you, then just quit. Because I'll do the same. What? An amazing <laughs> point of view. Yeah, I yeah. know. Because if everyone had this philosophy, mm-hmm. think of the quality of stuff there would be. <laughs> yeah. Yep. As we go through these movies, there are some names that you're going to hear us repeat a few times. <laughs> just a yeah, few. just a few. One of them is composer Joe Hisashi. He began working with Hayao Miyazaki pretty, like, pretty much right from the beginning with Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. A Pitchfork article by Brady Gerber states that many compare Hisashi to John Williams, as he has written the music for many well-known animated films, including a few of the highest-grossing Japanese films. These include Howl's Moving Castle, Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, and Ponyo. All freaking great ones. Yeah, (laughs) after a while... Each when we get to music for each movie, it's just yeah. like it's just Marcy would <laughs> Marcy I just mean, wrote Joe Hisashi every time. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Joe After Hisashi. a point, it was like, what more can we say yeah, about we, this amazing we, yeah. dude? <laughs> yeah. But but we will preface that if you go to our patron, and you become a patron of ours, you can hear our 
our little recording of us actually coming up with this list. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And none of these things that are repeating over and over were like part of our decision making. Mm-hmm. It was coincidence. Yes. <laughs> we yeah. made yeah. the list based purely on our feelings yep. and just whatever yep. which was we felt we yeah. liked more. Yep. And that's that. That's right. No so crazy yep. rules. On Patreon, you can hear that. Yeah. All right. We ready for number 10, guys? Let's, I'm so ready. Let's, let's go. go. All right. Number 10. We got Castle in the Sky from Woo! 1986. Oh, yes. Hey. <laughs> it's a good one. For those of you who haven't seen it yet, here's a little summary for you. Sheeta, a young orphan girl, is trying to escape two separate groups that are following her. Colonel Muska, who has kidnapped her, and Dola and her sons, who are after the magical crystal around her neck. As she goes to escape, she is rescued by young Patsu, who has a goal to find the mysterious floating city of Laputa. The pair seek Laputa together as Muska and Dola pursue them and the treasure rumored to be within. Ooh, mysterious. Nice. Why she... What do these people want with the crystal? <laughs> I think this is a great one to like start your Studio Ghibli journey on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen any of the movies or if you want to like go back through, like unless you're doing it in like the order they came out, this is a good one to start with. Yeah, this is a really good one. I mean, and it is kind of good one for the beginning if you're going to the mm-hmm. order too because yeah, it's mm-hmm. pretty close. this is pretty much the beginning. And yeah. mm-hmm. so- this is like the second one I ever saw, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and back then, these were not readily available. I don't believe we no. watched it legally Oops. <laughs> at the time. So I remember the the, co- the content being really hard to watch. And, yeah. Oh, boy. But it was college. still so good. You yeah. watched it anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah, you knew one person who somehow got a, had a DVD of one Ghibli film. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Both the story and screenplay were written by none other than Hayao Miyazaki, who also directed. In 1984, Hayao Miyazaki directed his first original feature film, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. The film was produced by the studio Topcraft and created by the founding members of Studio Ghibli. The film received enough praise and financial success that Miyazaki was able to co-fund Studio Ghibli just a year later. Because of this, some consider Nausicaa to be the first Ghibli film, while others believe Castle in the Sky was the first. Uh-huh. Like we said, this is pretty much the beginning. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and some even consider The Last Unicorn to be the first Ghibli movie. Yes. Whoa, deep no, down. So that's, hot take right there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying some people, because it is the same yeah. people that became Studio Ghibli later. Mm-hmm. Miyazaki took the name of the floating castle kingdom Laputa from Gulliver's Travels. Yeah, Lilliput. (laughs) He took a lot of inspiration from famous authors, including Jonathan Swift and Jules Verne. That feels right. Because if you look at some of the like fantasy technology, that feels very much like these novelists. In 1984, Miyazaki visited Wales. During his visit, he was able to witness the dying industry of mining within a small village and how this affected its people. He was inspired by the miners' strike against the pit closures. The next biggest influence that Wales had on the film was the medieval castles. Carfali, Carnarfon, and Powys Castle are three such castles on which Laputa was based. The film was originally called Laputa's Castle in the Sky. However, the name changed to simply Castle in the Sky because in Spanish, La Puta means the whore. Oops. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I'm glad they yeah. changed it. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if they changed the name of the castle in any like Spanish releases of the oh, movie. I wonder, oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, boy. Hopefully. Different dubbed versions exist, but now only one can really be found easily. Disney recorded the dub in 1998 with 90s powerhouse voices like James Vanderbeek, Cloris Leachman, Anna Paquin, and Mark Hamill. However, it was not released on DVD and video until 2003. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow, that's a long time. (laughs) 
The entire film was made with over 69,000 hand-drawn frames. Oh, wow. That's a lot. The music was composed by Joe Hisashi. He even redid the music in 1998 for the Disney-dubbed version. In a 1999 interview with Keyboard Magazine, Hisashi said, According to Disney's staff, foreigners feel uncomfortable if there is no music for more than three minutes. <laughs> he kind of laughed at that, too. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> it's pretty true. It is. And he continued by saying, you see this in the Western movies, which have music throughout. Especially, it is the natural state for a non-Japanese animated film to have music all the time. However, in the original Laputa, there is only one hour worth of music in the two-hour, four-minute movie. There are parts that do not have any music for seven to eight minutes. So we decided to redo the music as the existing soundtrack will not be suitable for the markets outside of Japan. If we just add new music, it won't go well with the music made 14 years ago. So we completely re-recorded everything. Of course, we cannot demolish the melody of Laputa, so I changed the arrangement of it while keeping its integrity. Man. Wow, next level. Yeah, yeah, it really tells you something about us Westerners. <laughs> yeah. It really we, does. We can't handle silence. We really can't. That's the part in the in the movie theater where suddenly you can hear everyone chewing their popcorn. It's like, stop. But I'm extremely intrigued. And want to watch it with the original version because I want to, I want to feel it. Yeah, you want to. I want to see what it's like. Sound. It probably yeah. isn't as uncomfortable as we would think. Yeah, I mean, but if yeah, it's probably isn't it that home, bad. Yeah. yeah, but again, <laughs> he's probably right. It would not have done it as well. You know, done he it. is That's for right. sure. No, he is one hundred percent. Yeah. The main theme is beautiful, and we will link to a performance by West Winds, the band of the. Bukit Batak Community Club on our blog, if you want to hear it. It's right. really right. beautiful. Heck of yeah. a name they've got there. Yeah, what is it's, it? <laughs> it is. It is very beautiful music, and I'm mm-hmm. glad, and I, I'm very pleased that they went to the extent to like redo it because it's, yeah. it yeah. is very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's cool. It's a good number ten. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so now the next one, number nine. The Wind Rises. Ooh. So a little summary for those of you who haven't seen it. Jiro dreams of flying and designing beautiful airplanes, inspired by the famous Italian designer Caproni. Nearsighted from a young age and unable to pilot, Jiro joins a major Japanese engineering company and becomes one of the world's most innovative and accomplished airplane designers. The film chronicles much of his life, depicting key historical events including the Great Kanto Earthquake of 1923, the Great Depression, the tuberculosis epidemic, and Japan's plunge into war. This movie's incredible. Yeah. This is a really good movie. It really blew me away, honestly. <laughs> it, it, Was it, it the it, wind that did it? Yeah, you know, the wind really <laughs> blew, blew me away. away. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <Ooh>. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, I really did like this movie. Yeah. I I love the passage of time. It's fascinating. It's mm-hmm. historical. I like history. Mm-hmm. So seeing these different historical periods through just the perspective of this one character is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And just yeah. you don't we learn a lot about that time in history, the time between World War One, World War Two. Yeah. You know, we learn about that in school, but we don't learn it from Jap- Japan's perspective yeah, or yeah. even just any other country's perspective. We really only know it from the American perspective, like from mm-hmm. our schools. Yeah. So seeing it like from this different perspective was so fascinating. It's <laughs> so interesting to look at. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is one of the few, I-, I mean, I suppose there are a few, but there are some Ghibli movies that are a lot more real. Yeah. Right? This isn't your Totoro, right? There's <laughs> nothing fancy fantasy going on. Yeah, there's dream sequences, but that's it. Yeah, yeah. The dreams mm-hmm. and the some of those dream airplanes are very out there, right? <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is such a Miyazaki thing to do, the crazy airplanes. Oh, yeah. But 
all of the real life stuff is mm-hmm. very real life stuff. Yes. Yeah. Very real. Like mm-hmm. directly mm-hmm. referencing real life events and it's so different. And it this is one of the few that's PG-13, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. some pretty serious junk goes down. Mm-hmm. It does. But it's a good one. It is. Obviously, this one was also directed by Hayao Miyazaki. Who? You know, the guy. (laughs) The Wind Rises was marketed as his last film, but that has now changed as he has decided to come back out of retirement for a film called How Do You Live? The storyboard took Miyazaki two years to complete. Do you guys remember this? How it was mm-hmm. like? Oh yes, it's a yeah, big deal. We watched the trailer for it, and it was the most. This is the end of this man's career. <laughs> yeah, go see this movie. Yeah, like that mm-hmm. was the whole trailer. Really, mm-hmm. yeah, it was more about that than it was <laughs> yeah. about the movie. <laughs> What's the movie even yeah. about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's his last one. See, yeah, better. we don't know. There's airplanes in it. Anyway, this is it's his, his last movie. <laughs> yeah. it's iconic. Seriously. Yeah. Toshio Suzuki, Miyazaki's longtime collaborator, also produced the film. Suzuki produced Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle, and more. Yeah. He's a name you don't hear as often, but he produced a lot of these movies right there alongside him. Right. Yeah. The film is a combination of both fiction and nonfiction. It takes elements from a biopic about the real-life Japanese airplane designer, Jiro Hirokoshi and combines it with a few novels and stories. These include the novel The Wind Has Risen by Tatsuhori. This is a romantic novel in which the main character meets a woman, falls in love, and then she passes away from tuberculosis. Ah. Which sounds like a just a great read. Yeah. <laughs> Give me just a second, and Madden, that's the list of books list. I don't need to read. <laughs> I mean, right there. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know what happens. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's a journey I don't want to take. <laughs> yeah. Graveyard of the Sea is a poem written by Paul Valeri, which is featured in the film. It poses deep questions about life and death, with the latter half of the poem including the line, The wind is rising. We must try to live. Yeah, I think this poem is recited a few times in the movie by mm-hmm. different characters, different parts of it. Recited it at different moments, you know, for it to have different meaning. This, it kind of questions, it, has, it raises the question, why do we strive to meet goals when mm-hmm. death is so serene? Mm-hmm. When right. death is waiting for us mm-hmm. and we can be calm, why do we choose to struggle? That's right. kind of the, yeah. the question. Finally, the film draws upon The Magic Mountain by Thomas Mann and shows the physical, psychological, and moral growth of the protagonist. Miyazaki in The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness says, You know, people who design airplanes and machines, no matter how much they believe that what they do is good, the winds of time eventually turn them into tools of industrial civilization. It's never unscathed. They're cursed dreams. Animation too. Today, all of humanity's dreams are cursed somehow. Beautiful, yet cursed dreams. God, that's so sad. It's <laughs> so powerful, though. Yeah. What a powerful thought. And it's true. You know, when you put art into the world, or mm-hmm. if you create things, if you're a mechanic, or, you know, you an engineer, <laughs> you know, or you create any kind of art at all, people are going to take it, and some at some point, someone's going to interpret it a certain way and use it for a purpose that you did not intend. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. it could be destructive. Yeah. Airplanes weren't created to t- drop bombs. Mm-hmm. They just became a super easy way to do so. Right. Miyazaki struggles with the same kind of balance between fascination with these deadly machines and his anti-war stance. During World War II, his father owned a company that manufactured parts for warplanes named Miyazaki Airplane. Miyazaki believes strongly that Jiro Horikoshi was also non-militant, but was fascinated by the planes. So the movie is anti-war. In the original storyboard, Nahoko calls out to Jiro at the end and says, Come. In the finished film, she instead tells him to live. After the staff screening, Miyazaki thanked everyone and said, a little embarrassed, that this was the first time he cried at his own film. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's some, I think it was incredibly personal to him. Oh, yeah. 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 Especially with his dad making airplanes and how much he yeah. loves airplanes and, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it must be pretty powerful if you make yourself cry. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's like, it's finally finished. I know. He was like, I'm my done. career, it's over. <laughs> and then, well, yep. there uh, we go. we're always happy to have him back. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The Wind Rises was another Miyazaki triumph, in part because of Joe Hisashi's intricate score that embodied the historical nature of the movie, as well as its dreamlike elements. Oh, yeah. It's another beautiful score. Nobody's going to doubt that. absolutely beautiful. There's so much in this movie where it's just imagery and music, mm-hmm. and it's just, oh, gorgeous. <laughs> it's a yeah. beautiful movie. It's sad. It's good, though. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you should watch this one. All right. Well, up next, number eight is From Up on Poppy Hill from Ooh. 2011. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's a good one. Here's a little summary for you. In 1960s Japan, the country is focused on modernization and leaving behind the painful memory of World War II. For a group of students living in Yokohama, This means the demolishing of their beloved clubhouse during preparations for the 1964 Olympics. While fixing up the building in the hopes that it can be saved, two students, Umi and Shun, gradually grow more and more fond of each other. Even though their love gets stronger every day, a complicated trial keeps them from being together. Even so, they continue to work together without fleeing the difficulties of reality. Oh, man. This is a really good one, too. Yes, another very grounded one. Yes. What I love about this one is that it feels like a lot of Studio Ghibli movies are on a very grand scale. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're very cinematic. There's lots of characters, lots of moving parts. And this is a very small scale Mm -hmm. type story. Yeah. But, you know, given every second that it deserves and that it needs. So it's, 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 yeah. A, a simple story, really. Mm-hmm. Something mm-hmm. that could have happened to any of us, you know. Yeah. In the sense that their school is getting demolished. They're sad about it. Mm-hmm. They want to save the school. They yep. band together to yep. fix it up and that kind of stuff. And it's just a nice story. Yeah. Right. And it's a nice little complete story. I really mm-hmm. like how yeah. complete this feels. And it doesn't have any, like, world repercussions. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to do with any grander scheme. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. nice for a change of pace. It is. It's yeah. really good. The only thing I really want to c- expand on is that I really enjoyed how a like adult they yes. were with their feelings and how they reacted yes. to things. These two teenagers yeah. are really grown up. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was really neat to see. It was. They were very good at communicating with each other and they I mean they eventually at one point he's just, just kind of like yeah, like we both like each other, right? Like, like, right? Sweet, you know, <laughs> duh. Next, like, duh. yeah, like I they just—they already knew. They already knew. They were just like, yeah. I mean, we acknowledge it. All right. Cool. Yeah. What, did, do, what did, do we do? But we can't be together though. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> they didn't spend the whole first season just like no. <laughs> yeah. Just not doing it. Just hiding around corners. Like, oh, I yeah. don't know. Oh god, do they like me? Oh no. Yeah. It, I know. Oh, it was gosh. very grown up. Yeah. It was not childish yeah. at all. Yeah. Which it was really. Really neat to see, and and the fact that they only have so many places that they go, really, so it's very mm-hmm. limited. And yes, but it keeps it fresh, though, by all the excitement of things that are happening. And yeah, from Up on Poppy Hill is based on the 1980s shoujo manga of the same name by Tetsuo Sayama and Chizuru Takahashi, with Goro Miyazaki directing. Goro Miyazaki is the eldest son of Hayao Miyazaki, and he made his directional debut in the 2006 film Tales from Earthsea. Ooh. That's cool. Another interesting one, for sure. Yeah. Much like other Ghibli films, the film is a co-production of many companies with Studio Ghibli, including Walt Disney Japan, Mitsubishi, and Toho. Ha <laughs> ha Shout out to Toho. Toho! <laughs> Toho. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's off to work they go i want to see some somebody animate like a bunch of tiny godzillas walking across yeah. that log <laughs> if i had the skill i would do that oh 
After the 2011 Tohoku earthquake and tsunami, the film's production was affected by rolling blackouts imposed after the disaster. The animators were even forced to work at night to minimize disruptions. However, Hayao Miyazaki assured the public that the film would still be released on July 16th of 2011, as previously announced, saying that it was their responsibility to do so. Goro Miyazaki stated that while most of the staff was not affected by the disaster, there were several who took some time to recover. Yeah. <sighs> Rough. We, we talk about how more recently, because of the pandemic, there mm-hmm. have been a lot of movie delays and yeah. you know, things mm-hmm. getting pushed around all the time. Yeah. But this is, I mean, it's not an uncommon thing for this to happen. And you can right. imagine a, an earthquake would have a huge effect on people, especially if they have to go into like an office to work, right? Yeah. And if yep. there's no power mm-hmm. or if the building is damaged, like any number of reasons. Yeah. Like, just like, gracious. I mean, even if they aren't directly affected by it, they yeah. still need to recover. Cause, yeah. You know, it's just that kind of stuff. Can... Yeah. Who knows how it could have affected yeah. them mentally yeah. if, if nothing else. And it's crazy to think that they're working at night sometimes just because yeah. <laughs> there might be enough power at night when most people are asleep. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Oh, my gosh. Yikes. And it's, it being their responsibility to do so. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's so oh nice. It's just one of those things, you know, creators are always, they're like, art's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When people are upset yep. or down or bad things going on, we got to keep making it because. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's a good Not thing a that it. Yeah, it's a good thing that it was this movie. Yeah, and not one of the really sad ones <laughs> yeah. that was coming out. Yes. You really need something. You really need this. Here's Grave of the Firefly. <laughs> yeah. Oh jeez. Oh, no. Oh. For Poppy Hill, Goro Miyazaki initially researched Yokohama, intending to be faithful to the city's historical and real life details. However, after realizing that recreating something of the time may seem real, it may not necessarily be beautiful. Miyazaki decided instead to show the location as shimmering and bustling with life from the viewpoint of the characters. In designing the Latin Quarter, Miyazaki worked with the art directors on the clutter in the house and the architecture of the building. He would think back to his college years and the clutter (laughs) that he lived through. (laughs) That's pretty great. Yeah, the design of the Latin Quarter is amazing. Ah, yes. They've got different... (laughs) Groups on each level, different kids, different clubs and activities and items. And, you know, it, it is just like they're basically just stacked up on top of each other. It's like yeah. a boarding house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, they've got railings falling down and chandeliers. Yeah. And it's really it's really interesting building. Yeah. yeah. It's exactly what I would have pictured if, if you just think about a place that just didn't clean up and get rid of past <laughs> things. Yes. Right. You know, it's just, it all just keeps collecting and collecting and collecting. And I love this style of taking real life, but like making it the best form of real life you can. Yeah. You, know, you take these inspirations from real life, but as he said, it may not seem beautiful. It's like the exact way the city was at the time. You know, it's real, but not super fun to look at. Maybe yeah. you know, but having it be this nice perspective, I, I, it makes you feel good. Yeah, you know? it's like more from the viewpoint of the people that live there. Right. Yeah. You know, your town is a lot more beautiful to you probably than to an outsider. Oh yeah, yes. that's the whole state of Ohio. <laughs> Goro explained in the Kingdom of Dreams and Madness that he did not start out wanting to be an animation and a director, but loves to do it. If it were not for Studio Ghibli, however, he would not be in this line of work. He does it for the people there and for the studio. Aw. Nice. (laughs) The score for Up on Poppy Hill was provided by Satoshi Takabe. Somebody different. What? What? A different? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. A different person? He's a musician and producer from Tokyo, and he also composed the score for The Earwig and The Witch. Yeah. Uh That new one. Yes, that (laughs) CG one. Weird. Mm. (laughs) What? There it is. There it is. Yeah. (laughs) Up on Poppy Hill is a really sweet movie. Mm -hmm. It is. It's nice. It's a good one. It's not as magical. You know, Mm -hmm. it's more real. And I I don't know. I I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's room for both. 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And that's what Studio Ghibli like excels at, you know. So moving right along to number seven, the Secret World of Arietti. You. That's a 2010. Yeah. 14-year-old Arietti and the rest of the clock family live a peaceful life in secret from the outside world. They make their own home from items that they borrow from the houses of human beings. (laughs) However, life changes dramatically for the clocks when a visiting human boy discovers Arietti in the existence of... Of the little people. Oh my gosh. This is such a cute movie. It is adorable. (laughs) We're back to magic here. Yes. (laughs) Yes. The secret world of Arietti, or Arietti the Borrower, as it's known in Japan, is based on the novel The Borrowers by the British writer Mary Norton. The novel won the Carnegie Medal for Children's Literature in 1953 and had already been adapted into two films and a TV series by the time. However, Studio Ghibli founders Iso Takahata and Hayao Miyazaki had been contemplating making an adaptation of this novel for the past 50 years. Wow. I re- do you, you guys ever watch the live action borrowers? I remember when it came <laughs> yeah. out, but I never I, never I did. I saw it. it in theaters. Oh. <laughs> from what I yeah. remember. And I just remember like two or three scenes from the whole thing. Because <laughs> I only saw it the one time when I was yeah. a kid. Aww. I remember, we don't steal, we <laughs> borrow. <laughs> Ghibli announced the film in late 2009 with Hiromasa Yonabayashi making his directorial debut as the youngest director of a Ghibli film. He had been a longtime animator at Studio Ghibli and worked on films like Howl's Moving Castle, Ponyo, and Spirited Away, and he was also the reserve director for the film Tales from Earthsea. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I like how he, he did it for a long time, and then when he became director, he was still the youngest director. Yeah. yeah. It's like everybody everybody else, when they direct, is 65 or older. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was probably 50, and they yeah. were like, oh, look at you, young buck. Yeah. <laughs> Toshio Suzuki, one of the co-writers of the film, confessed that Miyazaki wrote the initial screenplay without rereading the novel, (laughs) and he relied only on his memories of reading it long ago. According to him, Miyazaki has a good memory, but he nevertheless often makes mistakes and reinterprets things or gives importance to unnecessary details. (laughs) For example, if there is a garden in the book, as there is in The Borrowers, he will instantly love it. He explains... He really loves gardens, and those that are abandoned have even more of his favors. So much so that he first made a plan for the garden before even starting on Arietti's screenplay. <laughs> That's cool. Oh, yeah, probably yeah. had a bunch awesome. of sketches. And it's like, oh, it's going to go here, and it's like, oh, that's so beautiful. It's right. Ah, bushes yes. and flowers. I mean, obviously the man loves plant life. And oh, yeah. Sure. Clearly. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean... And yeah. if you think about a garden from the perspective of a of a little person, like somebody who's only about, you know, a few inches tall, yeah. it would be an absolute jungle. Yeah. You know? Yes, yes. And it's like, so if you don't take care of your garden, it's like mm-hmm. abandoned. And there's somebody in there that's only a few inches tall. I mean, yes. I can't even imagine. Yeah. yeah. But I love that perspective. It yeah. makes yeah. it so cool. I also think it's it's really good that he maybe makes these mistakes or misinterprets things because then it makes it more his own. It's yeah. not just a copy of what the other person wrote yeah. or made. I think it was smart of him to not reread the book. Yeah. Because then he made his own story. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Naya the cat looks an awful lot like the Studio Ghibli cat seen in the documentary Kingdom of Dreams and Madness named Ushiko. Yeah. We'll have to include some pictures there because it was like, I I see it. I think, (laughs) and also another one of the Ghibli movies, the cat looks exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Is it The Cat Returns or is it? It's the one before The the Cat Returns. Before The Cat. Okay. Oh, darn Um, it. Whisper of the Heart. Whisper of the Heart, yes. That's the one that. In Whisper of the Heart, the cat looks a lot like Mm -hmm. this cat, too. (laughs) Before it becomes. You know, the cat with the top hat and everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
The English dub of the film included a lot of big names, like Amy Poehler, Will Arnett, and Carol Burnett. Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. more. Yes. yes. French harpist and composer Cécile Corbel provided the light and fantastical score for Arietti. Yay! A different music composer! Yes, another one. Yeah. We're not saying that we don't like Joe Hisashi. It's just, no. It's just cool when we see a different one. <laughs> yes. Bridget Mendler, who plays Arietti in the English dub, also sang the song Summertime for the soundtrack. <laughs> it is the most 2010 song. Oh, I was gosh. like, oh, I bet this is really sweet. And it's kind of like, mm -hmm, like pretty sweet in the beginning. But then you hear the oh, no. very 2010, like, <laughs> eh, 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 you know, kind of oh, sound. Yeah. And I'm yeah, like, dude, no, 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 no. Oh, is that the one they played in the credits? Probably. Right? Just like Disney yeah. loves to do that. This yeah. is this was during her Lemonade Mouth days, Bridget Oh, Mendler. yes, so. yes. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Secret World of Arietti. Oh, it's yes. beautiful. This, this one is, I love how bright and colorful it is because, you know, not all of them, when they, when they don't have to rely on, on realism, mm -hmm. even though it is kind of real, except with mm -hmm. the, the borrowers. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's still so beautiful, and I would love to live in this house, even for oh, a moment. Oh, yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's gorgeous, right? And just out being able to lay out in the grass. Yes. And oh. not have to worry about hearing cars or, or whatever. Ugh. So many shots of, of the boy mm -hmm. laying in the grass, just quietly petting the cat in his lap while he reads a book. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. What? Oh, it looks amazing. It would be so <laughs> nice. It's very tranquil yeah, and just calm. Yeah, cool, warm afternoon. Mm -hmm. like, you know, just like a light breeze. Maybe it's like 75 degrees outside. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, the wind perfect. is rustling the grass around <laughs> you just it very it's a mood for sure he really yep he really knew how he really knows how to make a mood absolutely so the last one we're going to talk about tonight uh -huh. yes for this episode remember we're just doing the the, the top half of our top 10 that's right <laughs> 10 through 6 is ponyo from 2008 <laughs> yay ponyo ponyo <laughs> Five-year-old Sosuke finds a little goldfish and brings it home with him, naming it Ponyo. Unbeknownst to him, Ponyo is the daughter of the Queen of the Sea, and her father is desperate to bring her home. Sosuke loses Ponyo when her father brings her back into the ocean and forbids her to interact with the human world. Ponyo cannot let go and yearns to be part of the surface world. Oh, this one is so... Stinking cute. Yeah, she wants to be where Sosuke is. <laughs> yes. Not yeah. just people in general. No. Very specifically Sosuke. Yes. <laughs> I saw this one for the first time in a theater. Oh. Because I was, uh, my wife and I were going every so often to see the part of this like summer of Ghibli movies mm -hmm. thing they were doing, right? So yeah. every once in a while they'd show one and. Um, we went to see Ponyo, and it was the first time I'd ever seen it. And man, that it was freaking great! This I was so happy to see it in the theater. <laughs> yeah, it's so cute. I love it, and I love that like the moment she has the ability to talk, she basically yells the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. and it's yes. such a little kid thing to do. Yeah. Uh -huh. Like Sosuke, yeah. I want Sosuke. Yeah, you know, like she really just like yeah. everything she wants. She just yeah, ah, she ham, I want. Damn! I want it now! Dude, that, yes. That's one of the scenes that really sticks with me is when they make ramen in the bowl. Yes. Right? Because um, Sosuke's mother pours the hot water in and they put the little yep. the, yeah. the upside down plate on top yeah, or yeah. whatever the, that is. Yeah. I think it's a special bowl, but, Probably. you know, and then they reveal it and it looks so good oh my god! just like yes. i want to just devour that so i don't blame ponyo for just oh like, yeah oh, with her hands i just know like, get in yep. my face right now yes <laughs> oh and she's so wise and so sweet yeah you know just so nice to everyone and yeah just the sweetest little five-year-old girl <laughs> that Aww. is a fish <laughs> yeah. i love this movie hayao miyazaki directed ponyo and he wrote the screenplay as well not too big of a yeah. surprise. No. Yep. <laughs> writer Melissa Matheson, the screenwriter behind E.T., wrote the English version of the film. Hey, that's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. 
The Japanese title for the film is Ponyo on a Cliff by the Sea. Yeah. It's oh. too too long for us. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest influence has been revealed as The Little Mermaid by Hans Christian Andersen. I not a huge surprise. Yeah, it makes you watch a lot the of movie sense. and you hear her father who I love the design for her dad. Yes. I love when he comes up onto the <laughs> under the water under the, under the surface and he sprays water everywhere he walks because he <laughs> needs water yeah. to like survive so yeah. he just like sprays it as he goes. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. He has all those crazy inventions and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, at one point they even say well, she might turn into sea foam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the little um, mermaid? No <laughs> reference. Another influence that has been hypothesized is its, is its similarities to Richard Wagner's four-part German opera called Ring Cycle. These are like four separate operas mm-hmm. okay. that have complete one story. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. This opera contains one of the most used pieces of classical music in film and TV, The Ride of the Valkyries. Aha. Uh-huh. You guys yes. know what that sounds like, of right? Of course, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, that's from Wagner. In Ponyo, the title character rides a sea of fish during a tsunami, which brings up similar imagery. So it is like she's riding yeah. the Valkyries. Yes, uh, and the music cool. is, yeah. yeah. And it is like that with, yeah... <laughs> With just anytime anyone is coming for something, like I'm coming for you, mm-hmm. or I'm on a mission, that music usually applies. Yep. Mm-hmm. One of the characters in Ring Cycle is Brunhilda. And in Ponyo, it is revealed that this was the name given to her by her father before Sosuke changed it. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. That's right. So a little bit more of a tidbit in there. Yeah. Yes. So it makes a little sense. Mm-hmm. In order for the film to have more of a warmth to it, animators used pencil. Miyazaki even wanted the pencil marks to be seen. In an interview with News Zero, Miyazaki said, You see, when trying to create a realistic film, to create a world with that level of detail, we have tried so many things, even 3D computer graphics. But the more precision we pursued, the more stressed our work became over unimportant details, and the more we felt like we were losing something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I mean, okay, it's a story about a fish that becomes a girl. Yeah, yeah. it's very fantasy Because already. of its own whims and yeah. mm-hmm. just kind of, I mean, I feel like it's okay for it to not look like yeah. hyper-realistic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Using computer graphics did not make him happy. The art director chosen for the film was Noboro Yoshida. He was specifically brought in by Miyazaki because Noboro had impressed him and spirited away with the demon room that he had been in charge of creating. In this film, there are no perfectly straight lines. Everything has a curve to it to bring warmth and friendliness. Animators also achieved this by using crayons instead of paints. Nice. There were 1,139 backgrounds for the film. A lot of backgrounds. (laughs) So that's cool. It's the same guy who did the demon room and spirited away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one knows about Spirited Away. We've never heard of that yeah. movie before. What? <laughs> Spirited where? Yeah. <laughs> oh, somewhere. <laughs> so using crayons instead of paint is a really interesting choice. Yes. Yeah. And it kind of also adds to the childlike element of the movie. Mm-hmm. The, the, the childlike Absolutely. atmosphere. The fact that there are two five-year-old kids so young mm-hmm. so yeah. so and, and, it, and it, which was great because that removes the romantic element of the story too yeah yeah it's just about friendship yeah mm-hmm. you know they're, exactly they're so young they don't i mean they, they have no they idea they don't get it yet. yeah no. yeah but they just i mean they're just like i love you but i don't know why like, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's so so sweet mm-hmm. and, yeah and i i love when animations do this where they kind of leave that texture in mm-hmm. right it it makes it's a distinct feeling i always think back to we talked about it this past christmas the the snowman short yes right mm, and yeah. how that is just full of character because they had this very pencil crayonish texture to their animation right yeah so, it was all colored pencils yeah and it was just like the book illustration exactly yeah. So, yeah so when they do that it just adds to the character of your movie and i mm-hmm. i love that and i yes. and i'm so glad to see 
that there are so many good movies that do it. It's amazing. I it, it's so cool to they change up the styles and and I can see why some people might not like it cuz I guess mm-hmm. you could say that it takes you out of it to see mm-hmm. to see the the footsteps, I guess, to see the yeah. fingerprints of the people that made the movie. But right. it's like, oh, come on. It's animation. Mm-hmm. You know someone yeah. made it. Yeah. Exactly. You know? And it's like, <laughs> if you have those kinds of things in the movie and you're still able to follow it and be interested in it and feel like you're watching a story and, and be invested in it, that means it's a really good story. Mm-hmm. So it's a little more of a challenge, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> to mm-hmm. have something that is kind of a different art style and a little weirder. But people still are invested in it enough right. to not even really care. Right. Yeah. In it, in that way, it becomes like a double whammy of art. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. you have the art of its completed self, it being this movie with the story and the characters and whatever. But then the art side of it of just creation, you know, the work that went into it, the actual animation part of it. Yeah. So you you can appreciate both of them on their own level because they you can watch it without noticing or yeah. you can watch it while noticing. Mm-hmm. Animation is the perfect medium for change and metamorphosis. This is clearly shown within the film as Ponyo changes from a goldfish to a girl seamlessly from frame to frame. It's mm-hmm. a slow transition. I mean, some of, some parts are a little faster, you know, she yeah. kind of just yeah. basically... I have foot, I have feet now. Like here are my hands. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean that's that's pretty quick. Yeah. But as each frame goes, she becomes less round, less mm-hmm. fish-like. Yeah. More details on her face. Even though we live in a world where water distorts color, Miyazaki chose not to change the color of Ponyo very much between above and below water because he believes goldfish are more beautiful in the water. Oh, very nice. Yeah, so he wanted to keep that beauty from when yeah. she's Popping out. Also, she's magic, I mean. I'm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Miyazaki on the red carpet discussed how the little boy is actually the main character and not Ponyo. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> funny because it could be interpreted in different ways, but, mm-hmm. yeah. but yeah, I understand that. I would say it makes sense that he's the main character because we follow him you know, mm-hmm. maybe even more than Ponyo yeah. in the movie, and we know way more about his life. Right. Yeah. Like, we understand his situation, right? It's just him yep. and his mom. Mm-hmm. We know that's, what, you know, that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, he know, we know his dad's out on the sea. We know, like, all of that, the whole, that whole backstory, we all understand. Ponyo, we just kind of know that she's magic and she's from the ocean and mm-hmm. yeah yeah you we know s- we slowly discover a few things yeah you know? it's like oh okay that's her dad for sure yeah oh, okay, okay that's-, that's her mom yeah <laughs> but really we don't know as much about her yeah. because this is one of those fantasy movies where they don't stop and explain things to you they just let you watch things as they happen yeah there Mm -hmm. isn't a lot of time to say okay so who um ponyo's mom's queen to see her dad blah 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 you know he has this this big thing that can't get out and the fish and the people (laughs) and the fish become people and sometimes then they can go back to being fish but ponyo you know it's like (laughs) they, they can't really explain all that they don't have time so right. we just kind of watch all of it happen, and mm-hmm. we kind of, you know, kind of figure it out as we go. Yeah. Which I like that kind of movie. Yeah. No needless exposition. No. You know. Yeah, because it would have been just... Boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Plus, the mystery of it is kind of nice. Like, yeah. I want to know, of course, like, yeah. what happens to all of her siblings. Like, yes. she has so many siblings. Do so they, many. Do they stay small like that? Mm-hmm. Do they yes. get bigger? Do they? What happens? And then, like, they when they all change into fish, like yeah. legit fish. Do they, like, yeah. They do at some point, but then they all turn back into little, little ponyos. Little ponyos. Mm-hmm. You oh, know, man. and stuff like that. It's just cute, you know. Yeah. And you don't really know. We don't really know. <laughs> You know, I think there's like one throwaway line where the where the dad's just kind of like, "Oh man, if even one drop of this got out into the ocean, <laughs> right?" You know, and then Ponyo goes in, opens the door, pours it all out, or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, things get bad, but yeah. we don't know what it was. We don't know why that happened. We don't. Nope. We don't know. Nope. <laughs> and it's fine. That's fine. <laughs> 
A real baby was used for the sound effects of the baby that Ponyo and Sosuke come across. Oh, cute. Nice. Oh, that's nice. Fun day in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In order to get the underwater audio, especially near the end when many of the humans are underwater, a vase was used. They placed a speaker with the recordings on the top of the vase and recorded the new audio that resulted in the reverberations from the inside of the vase. Wow, that's pretty smart. Yeah. Nice technique. What an interesting ending, too, where everyone just kind of is underwater, but it's okay. (laughs) Everyone's all right, chill. I love how there was one skeptical one. Yes. She was like, nope, nope, you guys aren't going to trick me. I'm not going to go to my death down there. Exactly. And (laughs) I was totally on her side. Yeah. Because because you know what? (laughs) Earlier in the movie- when Sosuke shows Ponyo to the old ladies, one of them being yeah. Koba Betty White, which is so, so cute. Yes. Mm-hmm. He shows Ponyo to the ladies, and this woman <laughs> was like, put that back. You're going to cause a tsunami. <laughs> I mean, uh, and that's exactly what, what happens. happens. Yep. I would to- I'm totally on her. I totally get it. Yeah. I get why she's like, no, I'm not following the weird demon man with red hair into the ocean. Okay? I'm yeah. not doing it. Yeah, no, yep. I totally yeah. get it. Yep. yep. I mean, right? That's yep. what look at that's, that's how I it know. seems. I know. It's like somebody needed to be that. Yeah, like, somebody needed to say something. Hey, you know? Yeah, because everyone else is so chill about it. Nobody has any problem with like, it. Does anybody else see this? <laughs> Am I the only sane person? <laughs> the music was done once again. You want to say it together? I'm Joe Hisashi. <laughs> A loud orchestral soundtrack is used in the film, which is a little different from many of the other films listed. This reflects the violent nature of the tsunami that engulfs the area once Ponyo breaks free and flees to the surface. Ah. Mm. Yeah, this is just such a sweet movie. I Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. It's a great choice for number six. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So you guys probably are like, where's all the ones that I... No, <laughs> on the list. Well, hold your horses yeah. about it. I mean, we're, there's five more for us to talk about. That's right. After this, these five. And I think those five are going to be ones that you've heard a lot more about. Maybe. Yeah. These ones are still incredibly popular, though. Oh, yeah. They are, yes. Yeah. And they're all beautiful and wonderful in their own ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was so hard to just pick 10. I mean, oh my goodness, oh, yeah. Yeah. we had such a long list of honorable mentions. We basically, we got to 10 so quickly because we <laughs> yeah. because yeah. we love all of the movies so much. So so quickly, we were like, yep, ta- yep, 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 that's yep. in there. Yep, yep. And then I was like, okay, well, how many are we at, mm-hmm. Marcy? Oh, 10. Okay, well. well there shit. we go. I don't think we <laughs> yeah. have any. <laughs> yeah, we put some in a maybe column because yeah. we're like, okay, well. If we don't get yeah, to these 10. These ones are like, you know. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if we like other ones better. And <laughs> right, yeah, it if didn't we, happen. If we didn't nope. get to ten, yeah, we'll throw one or two of these in. Yeah, yep. Did not matter. <laughs> nope, and not at all. So many. And it's really a testament to how freaking good Studio Ghibli is. Because yes, they just oh, yeah. put out hit after hit after hit. Absolutely. They're just so good. They're so creative. They're so, you know, for the most part pretty heartwarming there's some other ones that aren't but that's that's okay it's it's worth having those movies too yes and it's just incredible that they can pull all this off yeah a lot of real raw human emotion yeah a lot of these Mm -hmm. movies yes and that's cool you know some of it's sweet and happy and fun and uplifting some yeah. of it's nice and chill, and you can like mm-hmm. fall asleep to it on a Saturday afternoon. You know, That's right. mm-hmm. you've seen it a bunch of times. Some of it you can watch yes. with your kids, and some of it you absolutely cannot watch with your children. <laughs> yeah, don't, please don't. <laughs> yeah, some of them will crush your soul. Yeah, your child's gonna be like, "I'm fine, but mom, why are you, why are you bawling your eyes? Why are you out? sobbing? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, mom, <laughs> you're on the floor in the fetal position." Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's like that meme: <laughs> lay on the floor, fetal position, try not to cry, cry a lot, <laughs> cry a lot. Yep. Yeah. So that's uh, what will happen if you watch Grave of the Fireflies. That's yes. right. We're just gonna get yes. that one out of there right now. <laughs> if you need tears, there's your movie. Yeah. You know, you might want to go with The Wind Rises because it has some sad parts in it. You know, yeah. a little bit. 
But, you know, it also has a lot of uplifting and, mm-hmm. and cool stuff. So if you don't want to go quite as dark as, like, Grave of the Fireflies, maybe, yeah. maybe stick with uh, <laughs> The Wind Rises. And it's crazy because, like, I do not regret for a second watching Grave of the Fireflies. Mm-hmm. But, man. <laughs> if you're not in the if mood you're not for ready. It, <laughs> ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I would say all of these movies that made are that got into the top 10 10 to 6 yeah are all very good and you can watch them whether you're in any certain kind of mood at <laughs> yes you don't have to worry about that yeah yeah i think they are all pretty uplifting mm-hmm. aside from some of the things like you yes. mentioned in in the wind rises but mm-hmm. but they're just fun to watch anyway right yeah. and that's all of these movies really they they just they're one of a kind even though there's 10 mm-hmm. of them that we're yeah, talking about. Exactly. I also find it interesting and and a little funny that on a lot of them, there are characters that either float or fly <laughs> or like, you yeah. know, something in the air. That's <laughs> Which true. is funny that his, la- his supposed last film was The Wind Rises because yep. it's like it. <laughs> he was like, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been a good one to end on, honestly. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I'm happy That's he's okay. back. But we'll see with the next one. How do you yeah. live? Yeah. yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, I'm certain it's a masterpiece. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not even, you know, I don't even expect anything less. Yeah. God, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> but, I think I think he can handle it. Yeah. Honestly, I, if there was anyone who could handle that much pressure, I think it would be him because yeah. he's yeah. done it already. Yep. Yeah. Every every freaking movie he's put out <laughs> is ne- is nearly a masterpiece. Yeah. Man. And I mean, hearkening back to that quote that we read at the very beginning, where he said, "If it Ghibli ceases to appeal to you, then just quit." And right. so he yeah. did quit, and now it's appealing to him again. Yeah. I guess. And there he so is. he's like, yeah. you know what? I gotta come yes. back. That's and that right. quote works for everybody who watches Ghibli movies. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you don't like it, just stop watching it. Yeah, yeah you don't have to <laughs> like it just because a lot of people do. Yeah. yeah. In the United States, Japanese anime sits on the edge of mainstream media. But even if some Americans are unfamiliar with most anime, Studio Ghibli has managed to bridge the cultural barrier. There are people all over America and in other Western countries that have embraced anime and its incredible storytelling and breathtaking visuals because Studio Ghibli introduced them to a style of animation that they otherwise may not have explored. This is just the first half of our top 10 list, and every one of these films is fantastic in its own way. So come join us next week when we attempt the impossible task of listing our top five favorite films from Studio Ghibli. Yes. <sighs> Goodness. Make it gracious. Yeah. Make it gracious. <laughs> I'll have a make it gracious. <laughs> but, but I mean, yeah, impossible task is right because, yeah, just, I mean, the, the people listening probably know what oh, yeah. a good chunk of the movies are going to be. <laughs> yeah. But, like, think about it. Pick your favorite out of those. I mean, it's yeah. probably going to be pretty, tough. It, it, it'll be hard. And it was hard for us for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's true. A lot of anime, I think it, it's still, it gets more and more popular. I think with mm-hmm. each year, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's still not as mainstream as like a Disney movie. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's yeah. still yeah. not. I mean, these movies could come to our theaters, but they're not going to run there nearly as yeah. long. Special they're not events. Gonna, yeah, they're not going to take get taken near as as much money. Yeah, you know, it, it's all you know. It, it's still kind of on the fringe. It's still kind of on the edge there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. If you don't like anime or you don't watch anime, you still could you still could really probably benefit from watching Studio Ghibli. Oh, absolutely! Mm-hmm. And a lot of people only watch Studio Ghibli as as the that anime that they yes <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah which is that's fine but yeah so Studio Ghibli is one of those wonderful things that has kind of transcended mm-hmm. for the first half of our top ten. That is another case closed. Yeah, Woo! all right. <laughs> Hopefully the second clap is just as good. Yes, (laughs) probably, probably. Before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons, Joel, John, Jacob, Jacqueline, JD, Anthony, Shelly, Linda, Bob, and Jaren. Yay. Thank you, guys. Thank Thank you. you. You're the best. You can now buy us a popcorn at buymeacoffee.com slash blackcasediary. And thank you all that support us, whether it be through listening, telling a friend, or donating. We've got the episode, well... It's not really an episode, but we have us deciding what our top 10 will be. Mm-hmm. The Raw. 
audio yes. of that yeah. on Patreon. So. And you actually get like sometimes up to another half hour of yeah. extra us talking before yeah. each episode. So, so if you like listening to us just yammer on about absolutely nothing. Could be anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then sure. It's yeah. probably there. <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably enjoy it. So thank you so much for listening. See ya. Bye. Bye. Get ready to look now. Abracadabra. <gasps> <gasps>